Hey guys, this is Rob Morgan and welcome to question number eight. How does a cup of coffee have the power to change the world? It's my interview with Caleb Garn, founder of the greatest coffee shop west of the Mississippi. You did it! Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee. Great job, everybody. I love coffee. I was having a conversation with friends the other day, and one of them looked over at me and said, Rob, what do you think about this? You're a coffee snob, aren't you? I am not a coffee snob. We all have three kinds of coffee friends. The first is the coffee snob. I need my beans milled with a hand burr grinder at a clockwise motion of 30 revolutions per minute, brewed at 90 degrees, and then poured counterclockwise into a V6. I'm not the coffee snob. Just below that is the coffee enthusiast. That's where I fall. Coffee enthusiasts, we really appreciate really, really, really good coffee. I'm even known to seek it out on tour and find a coffee shop. I'll walk a couple miles to one if if need be. Uh, But I'm not gonna turn down coffee if someone makes it for me, I'm not going to turn my nose up to anything or think I'm better than any bean. The third tier is the coffee junkie. We all know those people. It's not flavor. It's sludge. They're drinking. It might as well be jet fuel for these people. You know the kinds. You can't function in the morning unless you have your morning cup of coffee. Coffee is everything, and I need my cup of joe. Please listen to me. I want to tell you what's going on with the ship. We've been thrown off course just a tad. What exactly is a tad? In space terms, that's about half a million miles. The bombs you feel are asteroids smashing into the hull of the ship. Are you telling us absolutely everything? Not exactly. We're also out of coffee. Okay, maybe you're not that bad of a coffee junkie. Uh, but the point I'm trying to get across here is across, did I, oh, across, no tea. The point I'm trying to get across is this coffee is just part of our culture. I mean, it's just ingrained in us. I hate to admit it, but my first date with Sarah, I, I hesitate to even call it a date because taking someone out for coffee is a hang. Come on, Rob, think bigger. Anyways, first date with Sarah. Ugh, Starbucks. Can I take your order? Can I get a tall chai? A uh, large black coffee. Do you mean a venti? No, I mean a large. Venti is large. No, venti is 20. Large is large. In fact, tall is large, and grande is Spanish for large. Venti's the only one that doesn't mean large. It's also the only one that's Italian. Congratulations, you're stupid in three languages. Look, dick. Venti is a large coffee. Really? Says who? Fellini? The whole purpose of places like Starbucks is for people with no decision-making ability whatsoever to make six decisions just to buy one cup of coffee. Short, tall, light, dark, calf, decaf, low-fat, non-fat, etc. So people who don't know what the hell they're doing or who on earth they are can, for only $2.95, get not just a cup of coffee, but an absolutely defining sense of self. Tall, decaf, cappuccino. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. <laughs> 
Tau, Decaf, Cappuccino. I love it. <laughs> that movie never... Uh, side note, You've Got Mail, one of the greatest movies of all time. I'm just going to throw that out there, let that live on the web. There, I've said it. I feel like a weight's been lifted off my shoulder. Hey, before we dive into this, I just want to say, again, huge, massive thank you to any of you that have been listening Uh, Whether or not you've been subscribing or uh, commenting, rating on iTunes, any of that garbage nonsense, it's not garbage. Thank you to those who have done that. I just did an interview for a magazine today uh, asking me what my goal is for this podcast. It's kind of gotten out of hand over the past few weeks. Not out of hand, uh, just uh, bigger than I thought and bigger than I planned, Uh, and I was thinking about that question. What are my plans for this? And to be honest, my plans are completely fulfilled already. Hearing back from some of you and the comments uh, and emails that you've been sending or even voicemails from friends talking about how some of these interviews, you know, it's funny, some of the things that we think we're just dealing with on our own, some of the things musically or just career-wise, we think we're alone. We think, I mean... It can't be anybody other than us that's willing to throw in the towel and maybe call it quits now, right? No, that's there's only one person out there dealing with that. That's not a mutually everybody thing, right? So this conversation has just been the most uh, fulfilling thing uh, on my end. So let's keep that going. If you have any feedback, any stories, hit me up at thecuriouspod.com or feel free to share it on iTunes, rate and subscribe. Uh, This week's comment is from Jana Mae Floyd. She says, the best way to describe this podcast is to quote Ian Allison on episode six. And then if you have some level of freaking empathy in your life, you may be able to say, oh yeah, from that perspective, I get it. Also, Rob Morgan is a wonderful human. Ian did not say that. Ian, feel free to text me and say that whenever you want to. She goes on, Rob Morgan is a wonderful human, and now I have to go back and listen to my old Stephen Curse Chapman CDs. Come on. Go West, young man. Okay, back to it. Disclaimer, I'm taking that quite completely out of context. You should just go listen to the episode. That was my episode she's referencing, talking with Ian Allison at The Bad Waitress. Jana, thank you for your comments. You've got some bitters coming your way. Uh, for those of you that want a chance to win some bitters from Bittercube, uh, just go on iTunes, rate, comment, and subscribe. And every week, I'm going to be giving away bitters. Don't know what bitters are? Go back to my interview with Nick. All right, let's move on. My interview with Caleb, I have a quick disclaimer for it. You see, things happen. When you're setting up, you're doing this live on location, mistakes are made, and I made the ultimate freaking audio mistake and that was on my recorder I had uh, all channels ultra compressed so for those of you that don't know what that means it means that when they were talking it was great but the second someone stops talking into their microphone it lifts up all the background noise so if you're listening to this on your uh, in-ears or studio quality headphones maybe take those out listen to this one on a drive while you're on a run uh, at home doing your dishes. So I'm just apologizing for any audio kind of pumping quality that you hear, any background noise that's going to be a little bit louder in this one, but it's worth it. I guarantee it. Uh, and also, if you listen, listen longer than 10 minutes and you're not even going to notice it. Uh, 
and I tell you what, this one's worth it. Caleb is awesome. He is an owner of Five Watt Coffee in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So I decided to meet him at Five Watt for late night. Oh man, I should not be drinking the coffee this late at night. Also, this is not an interview just for musicians and coffee enthusiasts, snobs, anything like that. This is an interview and a conversation for humans. If you, the, he tells some great stories of what brought him to Minneapolis, foreshadow music and recording in studios, and how that transitioned into uh, being an owner of a coffee shop and in the coffee industry. But some of the stuff he talks about is so inspiring to me. Being a yes person, someone who says yes, someone who uh, commits their life to being inclusive, making people feel like they are on the inside. Let's get to it. My conversation with Caleb Garn at 5 Watt Minneapolis. Why Minneapolis? Um, because the music school? So when I started taking guitar lessons at age 15, yeah. my teacher was one of the first, he was, he was in the first class at GMI or GIT okay. in LA, yeah. Guitar Institute. He always spoke so fondly of the experience, and he was an amazing guitar player, especially this little town we were in. I mean, yeah. he was like 10 times better than Hendrix in my yeah. mind. I was like, Just dude. Just a monster. Amazing. Yeah. So uh, I, would, I was in love with that idea from that age, yeah. and I saw my opportunity to pounce on it. Yeah. Uh, 21, 1995, moved to Minneapolis. Yeah. Um, went, didn't go through culture shock, but went through culture epiphany. Yes. Like just, was it in, just instantly your eyes were open? They were. Yeah. Uh, I remember sitting down for the first time and opening up a city pages and being like, what is this? What is the 1995 20 pages in the middle yeah. of a 40 or 50 page document yeah. were all bands, yep. bars, live music. Yep. So Just an actual music scene. Yes, yeah. a real scene. And, uh-huh. and immediately I got like two copies and I yeah. hung up the front and back of yeah, every yeah. single page on the walls of my apartment. Really? And I'm like, my goal this year is to go to every single one of these clubs. Yes, and you like individual. I'm going to go to yep. finally and just and I would circle, them, circle them, cross and then them out, cross them out the, when you did it. Yes, the whole thing. That's it, so it, it took like a year to accomplish yeah. in that time. There was so much oh, to do. Oh man, and, uh, and it wasn't out of like networking. It was just no. purely like fascination in with awe this. with this yeah. this scene, this thing yeah. that I was just blown away by. Yeah, and through just that process, all of it. I literally came to believe that Minneapolis was specifically built for me. Really? The founders that created the city were like, this guy's going to come here in 1995. Yeah. And we got to get ready. Yeah, man. He's going to be here. Yeah. We need to get everything set up. And it needs, yeah. <laughs> totally. It might as well be like the Truman Show. They're just, yeah. you're just building it. We got to get the extras in here. Everybody just get settled because he's coming man that's so interesting because i can totally relate to that like you walk into this uh juxtaposition of being in a world where obviously you're so small 
of a part of it, but you feel like everything there is only for you, right? And like you to take in. I can totally, I can totally relate with I, that. I just wanted to eat it. Yeah, I was just so everything about obsessed it. with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the there was a good five years of my life where I did not miss a single Monday night at Bunkers mm. to watch Doctor Mambo's combo. Yeah. Uh, the the leg, then then the legendary combo. I saw it when yeah. it was still Doctor Mambo. Doctor Mambo was still in the house. Um, so I enroll in school. What school? Uh, it was then called Music Tech. Okay. And it was downtown yeah. Minneapolis. Yep. Now it's called the Humes Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Same building. And I was I was astonished at um, there. Were, you know, I was old mm-hmm. for the school, being 21, 22. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Coming in, you would be. Most of the students yeah. were 18, 18 19, yeah. coming right out of high school, yeah. and they were they were so unaware of. Humanity, yeah, and, and how people work. I guess yes. you know. They, yeah, they literally thought, "Okay, man, I'm gonna get my diploma. Then Clive Davis is gonna knock on the door, and I'm yes. getting my deal." Yeah, and then that's and, what I'm doing with my and, life. And that's the idea. That's the thought of like music school, right? Like right. you, like you're gonna go. I mean, I thought the same thing. Like you just put your time in, and then when you're done, I don't know what was gonna happen. You like, go on tour with yeah, Whitney Houston. Yeah, totally. That's the way it works. Yep. Brilliant. There's like a master <coughs> list that gets sent out of oh, here's the graduating class for any tours you have going on. No, not at all. Out of my school experience, I think there were there were maybe well, it, I guess I shouldn't say that. There were, there were about a dozen students that I would call really successful. Okay. And, and they were really successful because they knew where they wanted to go and they got there. Yeah. One guy mm. went is still playing Broadway shows as a guitarist. Yeah. Um, I, uh, Darren Lucas. He's okay. playing with Sister Act on Broadway right oh. now. He's done Cats. He's done Beauty really? and the Beast. He's yeah. done, you know, he's done huge stuff and he started on cruise ships right out of college right out yes. of music tech mm-hmm. um other guys played with some of the greatest local and regional bands yeah. and other guys amassed 60 students yeah and um you know my goal mm-hmm. in that whole thing was to probably just to understand people better I loved music and I okay. loved playing. Yeah, but I was way more interested in people than any of that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, did you recognize that right off the bat, or was it later looking back you realized? It probably I, took me a little while okay. to culminate that. Yeah, um, this mask mask within the mu- music I, study. I That's always thought I would end up as I, you know I started in the bass yeah. program, yeah, professional music course, yeah, yeah. Um, then I went through the production program. Okay. Um, and that suited me much better. Yeah. I, I really fell in love with producing and engineering a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went through, I had one single one-hour class on the very first Pro Tools system. Yes. <laughs> and our teacher... That's so good. And it was revolutionary cutting edge well the the way it was presented is here's this cute little thing yeah oh it wasn't taken seriously no it's like 
digital um, recording, and this one isn't very good. There was another format out called Dash. Yes. Which was this, mi- not a micro cassette, but a, a, like a small camcorder yeah. size cassette yeah. that you could record 24 tracks okay. digitally on like this half inch thick piece of tape yeah. and it was a it was a predecessor to ADAT okay and then yeah. then ADAT's really caught the mainstream became the okay. digital recording format um, and then Pro Tools was just yeah. DAWs were trying to get this yeah. this yeah. hedge in totally. and figure it out so the teacher Before it took over the, all of my classes were on giant boat anchor consoles with really piles of outboard gear yeah, two inch reels man cutting tape yes so you were in the time where you had if you unless you got like an internship at a studio to learn this stuff it was either that or go to a school where right. they, you could sit behind a desk and do it absolutely because that kind of makes more sense to me the the appeal of actually going to school for that then yeah. like there's kind of use because you couldn't just get in you could go down to yeah no okay. no so that was where I cut my teeth yeah. and shown Pro Tools that they're like this is this cute little thing it's never yeah. gonna work yeah. it's never gonna sound as good as analog mm-hmm. recording yeah and it, it yeah yeah that's what it is yeah and so toward the end of the class the teacher was doing something with, you could see the waveform on the yeah. computer screen. And he moved the mouse, and he, he hit the cursor, and it started right there. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. what'd you just do? And yeah. he goes, oh, well, you can just you can just click to where you want to be. In the whole song. In the, yeah. in the, the, the recording. And I'm you like... Mean- I don't yeah. have to scrub tape for this. You don't have to rewind. <laughs> yeah, totally. And he's like, no, you just, and yeah. I, I go, and my mind was blown. And in that moment, I yeah. literally said to the teacher, in 10 years, every student that comes through the school isn't going to care what any of this equipment is yes. or does or why it mm-hmm. existed. Yeah. Because you goes, just knew. I knew. Yeah. I, like, oh. the workflow alone, yeah. the efficiency. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is mind-blowing. Yeah. Totally. I was behind you in this, and that just has always been the case. So I can't imagine. I'm trying to picture what it would be like to like see that for the first time. <laughs> and, like, imagine myself crapping my pants of, like, what? I don't have to, like, actually splice, hand splice this tape right here. I could just cut and chop. I think the, the next time that might happen to me in my life, that same feeling, mm-hmm. is the first time I see a consumer-grade flying car. Yes. The, like a personal drone. Yes. Uh-huh. I think that'll be the next time I feel that same emotional reaction. Yeah. Like, this changes everything. <laughs> it changes everything. Yeah, literally. The world is different now. Yeah. Okay, and so... we can't go back. So did that... You, you saw that and you're inspired. Did that just, like, totally catapult you, like, creatively to wanting to continue in this? Or what did... What it did is it... it so shortly after that, yeah, yeah. I got an internship at a, a real legit studio in town okay. with a guy named Rob Genetic. I begged every teacher in the school to uh, help me get an internship at a real studio. Really? For months. Yeah. And finally one of them, a guy named Dave Russ, okay. a wonderful human being, I love the guy to death, um, 
He's like, uh, okay, kid. Yeah. You're driving me nuts. I'll <laughs> talk to this guy. I'll put you on somebody else's problem. Yeah. So he handed me a phone number with a name on it. Mm-hmm. And he said, call this guy. Okay. I told him about it. Just call him. Yeah. So I call and I leave a message. Some yeah. and Several times that happened. Basically, six months go by where a few times I actually talked to Rob on the phone. Yes. And, and finally, he because it wasn't because it'd be like, screen you. Right, right. He'd pick it up and he'd go, Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I, I'm really busy. I'm going to Europe to do this thing. Okay. And then uh, South America. Yeah. And, um, I, I really don't have time. Um, so, six months. He would tell me, Call me in a month. And I would literally mark it on my calendar. Call yes. Rob Genetic on <laughs> May 27th. Really? And so I'd call him back and to the day. Yeah. And so he finally got the message that it wasn't going away. Oh. So he agreed to meet with me. And yeah. his studio was completely unmarked. It was, it was down on Cedar and 37th. It's yeah. now a chiropractic office. There used to be a Tom Thumb uh, yeah, convenience yeah, yeah. store. Yep. Okay. It, I know what right you're across about. the street. Yeah. So and it was called the Brew House Recording Studio. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the studio was. It, finally, six months. I wear him down. Yeah. He's like, "Okay, meet me tomorrow at 10 a.m." Yeah. And, I, and he, as he was hanging up, I was like, "But I have school." <laughs> <laughs> totally. I skipped school. Oh yeah. I go to the studio yeah. and I'm knocking on the door 10 a.m. Yeah. Nobody answers. My, yeah. There was this alley with this garage thing. And yeah. at the time, I had a, a pig nose battery powered amp that yes. lived in my Chevy Astro cargo van. Yes. And <laughs> I just, I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and jam yeah. until he shows up. Yeah. Two and a half hours later. Two and a half, no way. Yep. 12.30. 12.30, he pulls in and, and he gets out of his car and he goes, who the hell are you? No. And I'm like, I'm Caleb. He's like, oh man, oh shoot. Yeah, come on in. We go in, we sit, there was this cool old lounge. He had this really cool council telefunken, oh. like home stereo. Uh-huh. Had uh, things gorgeous. I, I still drool thinking about it. But, yeah. And all this just cool, yeah. ev- everything I ever thought about or read about that was cool yeah. lived in this building. He had it. We sat and talked for about 20 minutes, and he, he asked me very general questions. Where are you from? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what's your, what do you want to do with your life? What are yeah. your goals? And, and are you hardworking? And can you do what I ask you to do? Yeah. And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. He's like, if I need you to go pick up my dry cleaning, are you down for that? And I'm like, yes. You want to? You go get me coffee. He goes, "Do you know how to make coffee?" And at the time, I didn't drink coffee. Yeah. Did, never made coffee. And I was yeah. like, "Yes, I know how to make coffee." <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you need. And he, yeah. Yes. Like so, I've got a broom with me. I'll just sweep your floor right now. I, I did it all, man. I was down for anything <laughs> yeah. just to hang out and be in the environment. So he, he he's like, "Okay, show up tomorrow at blah." And I'm like, "Well, there's this one catch. Mm-hmm. I'm in school." Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, that's kind of a problem. Mm-hmm. He's like, you really want to be here tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. And he didn't tell you why? Didn't tell me why. Yeah. He's like, just be here tomorrow. I think it was around 10 a.m. Yeah. 
So I, I show up. He gave me a key. Right off the bat. Right off the bat, which was odd. Um, uh, he, he said something like, I can tell you're from good stock. <laughs> Whatever the hell that means. Yeah. And he told me to get certain uh, things cleaned up and set up before yeah. 10 a.m. the next morning. Yeah. So I get there at like 7. And I clean the whole studio. Yes. Mopping, scrubbing. The place smells like Clorox, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm like, I, I'm going to I'm going to win this thing, yeah. this internship thing. Yeah, this thing. is my chance to make right. this first impression. Yeah. So there's a knock at the door. So I'm like, oh, I'm in South Minneapolis. <laughs> Do I open the door? Yeah. I'm freaked out here. It's 1995. This is not a great neighborhood. I decided to open the door. And this man goes, I'm here to set up the drums. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, I'm Caleb. I'm here to help. Yeah. He's like, good. Go bring all that in. Yes. And so I'm loading all this stuff in, loading it in, loading mm-hmm. it in. Haven't exchanged names with this man yet. We're setting things up, and I noticed this is a really nice drum kit. Yeah. I'm like, dang. This thing's awesome. This is amazing. This guy's for real, whoever it is. Right. So a few other guys start straggling okay. in that I recognize. Yeah. Billy Franzi. Uh, Mark uh-huh. Licktag. Okay. And then in walks Michael Bland. <laughs> yeah. And I realized at that moment I'm uh, helping to set up Michael, Michael Bland's, Bland's drum kit. Drums. Uh, and so and you had, this is after you'd been going to the combo. So Forever. these guys are all on your radar. You're these like, guys these are guys all heroes legends. and legends to me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the middle of this. I can't believe it. So one of the last people to walk in is Mick Sterling. So I was the second engineer through all of those sessions, doing a, a bunch of running around. She have credits. I have a credit on that album out of probably the 20 albums. Uh, that's maybe a little generous. 15 albums okay. that I worked on yeah. as a, a assistant yeah. in the brew house. Yeah. That was the only one that ever gave me a credit. Really? And, and it meant so much to me. And to this You're, day, yeah. I, I think Mick is one of the most honorable, wonderful music. Really? Just great humans yeah. ever. Yeah. And it, it it meant the world to me. That That's cool. I remember him asking, how do I spell your name for the liner notes? And, and it literally gave me shivers. I was like... <laughs> oh, man. And this is your first freaking My day. First, Are you kidding me? First gig, first day, first thing. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, on like the second day of those sessions, Rob... Yeah. Uh, he's like, you got to go pick this guy up. Here's his address. Okay. So I go, and it was way off, like, mini ha-ha and, like, 50-something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Way down there by the falls. And yeah. I go to this house, and, there, and uh, it, it, he told me to honk. When you get to the address, honk. I honk. <laughs> this guy comes running out, and he hops in, and he's like, oh, thanks for the ride, man. My yeah. wife, I need the car. Mine's down. I just yeah. got back off tour. Oh, it's really yeah. crazy. And I'm like, oh, man, sweet. Who, where, who'd you go on tour yeah. with? He's like, Just oh. talking while you're driving him. Yeah. yeah. It's like um, Janet Jackson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So you're like, oh. That guy's name was so, Dave Barry. 
Who was incredible? He he was the the, I'm Black Cat. Yeah. The guitar riff. That's him. That's him. Yeah, he was in the video. Oh man. Yeah. Did you know him at the time when you picked him up? I I did not. Okay. I knew I knew the 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 lore. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know the name. Yeah, totally. And I was putting it all together and just. So this yeah, guy's in just my freaking car. out, yeah. and um, so we get to the the studio, yeah, and uh, we're still on the same session, yeah, and um, his amp was causing him some kind of mm-hmm. grief, and he's like, "Man, is it?" He's like, "Caleb, is there any more amps around here?" And I had a handful of my own amps that just live there because Rob yeah. would let me have free reign in the studio when there wasn't a book session. Cut. So I would Come just go on. bonkers. And you could do whatever you wanted. Anything I wanted. So really? I would constantly play with sounds and pedals. And yeah. I would run one guitar into 15 guitar amps yeah. and blend <laughs> it all. <laughs> and totally. Go bonkers at yeah. the board and the whole deal. Just nerding out. Right. So I was playing a gig somewhere with uh, it was a blues band that would call me once in a while and they were ne- they weren't very good and you'd just walk for like four hours a night just <laughs> and I'm on the stage and you could still smoke in bars and I I had this moment where I'm like this is not it and I went. It was very tumultuous for me because I was like, I fe- I came to the conclusion that no woman that I would want to marry would marry me because of the life I was living and what I was doing and who I was surrounded with and the whole scene at the time. And I was like, yeah. I I just got to get my crap together, man. Really? I gotta. I need to do something bigger, something better. Yes. Man, that's such like a deep introspective thing to yeah. instantly like look at yourself. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't. I feel like you probably don't know how rare that is that <laughs> someone be like, no, wait, 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 okay, like, like what? Thinking from someone else's perspective. Like, yeah. look at there. Okay, anyways, that that's awesome. Okay, so, so I can get my crap together. I, I decided to push yeah. music away yeah. at an arm's length, yeah. and I need to. I need, re- I need to reset. This. Yeah. Yeah. So it went home. Which is interesting because you're in the place that one point in time, five years ago or something, like What's this the place greatest is thing for ever. me. Right. And it doesn't like negate that. It doesn't like say anything against that feeling. But at this moment, right. it no longer was. Did you know you were going to come back or were you? Uh, I really thought I was always okay. going to come back. Okay. I was like, I'm going to go do this for a while. Yeah. I'm going to take a break, self-analyze mm-hmm. and, yeah. and start figuring out where I'm going to leave my mark in the world mm-hmm. and what kind of mark that is. Yeah. So I went and did that. Through that whole experience, I, 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 I started to realize that I didn't work well for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it started hedging me back to entrepreneurship. So I moved back to Minneapolis, um, got a gig with Best Buy, at yeah. the Richfield store as a yeah. loss prevention person. Yeah. Um, and spent most of my free time hanging out on the patio at Caribou at Lake Calhoun. 
yeah. all my free time, I would sit there and read the classifieds in the newspaper. Really? Uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my life. Because you knew going back to doing the music thing where all your connections were wasn't for you it wasn't for me it was uh it was you could don't you you only eat what you kill scenario mm-hmm. there wasn't much stability in that i knew that was important to my wife it was important to me to give that to my wife and future family yeah um so i and i at that time the only other thing i knew is yeah i don't work well i did work well for other people but i didn't yeah. enjoy it yeah so and the I, music thing, you're always people think you're not working for other people. Oh you're always gosh. working for yeah. you're working for a hundred different people. If that yeah. makes sense, I, don't know. It, it, I mean, yeah. you're you are you are serving somebody. Yeah. And ultimately, in entrepreneurship, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I I spent a ton of time there and. Uh, one of the baristas that worked there at the time, I got to know them all really well. Yeah. Uh, in a very side-eyed comment, yeah. said, why don't you open a coffee shop? You seem to enjoy spending time in it. <laughs> You're here so much. Right. So you can make your own place. And I was like, oh. okay. It took about two weeks for that idea to sort yeah. of sink in. And, and I realized that, yes, I, I love that environment. I yeah. love the setting. I love yeah. the camaraderie. I yeah. met so many people there that are still friends of mine. Yeah. So you met 20 years ago. At Caribou. Yeah, the at patio. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's so a cheers. It, it was I mean, a it, cheers. Yeah. It totally was a cheers. And yeah. it had its own community. Yeah. And, and I realized that I loved that. Yeah. And I realized that coffee and the American coffee shop was a great place yeah. to nurture, cultivate, and create that. Yeah. So I'm like, I need to find out if I really love the coffee business. Okay. So I applied to be a manager with a caribou. Yeah. Like two months later, I got a gig at, at yeah. then one of their top revenue stores out in Minnetonka. Okay. I worked for them for like two and a half, maybe three years. Mm-hmm. Within a week of training to be a manager, mm-hmm. I was head over heels, over the moon, in love with the American coffee shop. What was it? Just everything about it or anything specific? If you distill it down, it's just people. Yeah. And uh, I learned through the restaurant business that I liked the camaraderie of, yeah. of banter yeah. across the counter. Yeah. I like. I loved. I grew up watching Cheers. Yeah. And Becker. And, you yeah. know those camaraderie sitcoms. Yes. <laughs> totally. Um, it, I I became so adept and in tune to just. Creating, I call them movie moments. I'm always trying to create a moment where somebody feels like this could be in a movie. It's so unique. Yes. Hence, like Sunday service. Imagine walking into a coffee shop and you witness somebody playing a Hammond organ. Yeah. You're like, what's going on here? Why? Why? What is this moment? There's a giant garage door that I just walked through. Yeah. There's a guy playing jazz on the hammock. Nobody is doing... Yeah. 
So, uh, Man, I love that. I, I became obsessed with learning everything I could about the American coffee shop. Has, mo- has movie moments been like a thing? Like a like it's been a thing in my life. In your life, absolutely for a while. Oh yeah, because you're, like, well, you're I don't want to like, distract where you're going, but yeah. so that's your drive. That is this. a that's a big part of of my imprint yeah. into this business specifically yeah. is to, to try and, and cause that the, the feeling that that something really interesting could happen at any moment. Mm-hmm. And and thing everything in the world happens in coffee shops. I can't you can't come up with something that doesn't happen in coffee shops. Yeah. I mean, good and the bad. Good and bad yeah. I've, it, I've heard about it all. Yeah. It, it, it really shows the breadth of humanity, top to bottom. I've seen so many grown men cry in coffee shops. Really? I've witnessed dozens of breakups. I've witnessed thousands of first dates. Yeah. I, I've introduced people who are now married. Yeah. I have yeah. introduced people that are now married. Sarah and my first date, uh, I've been married five years now, was at a Starbucks in Roseville there on the go. patio sitting outside <laughs> uh, yeah that, it is it, the coffee shop is the modern day well I don't know I don't know if friends like created that because I wasn't like into the coffee shops around that time but that thought it like, definitely that helped scene, perpetuate it, yeah it is like the modern day like almost like a bar like equivalent yeah it is it will it, it's a socially acceptable bar to hang out in for eight mm-hmm. hours a day yeah that's if, if you're hanging point. out in a alcohol bar for eight hours a day everybody's like oh <laughs> we need to talk yeah brother's got some problems yeah you know man Okay, so you just like you start working there, and you knew instantly. I fell this in love with it, and I began in filling notebooks yeah. full of everything uh, I could think of, or or see, or determine, or learn. And I, I ended up starting a notebook per every individual coffee shop that was anywhere near the Twin Cities, and I had a regular rotation that I would go around and visit, and I would I would just. Sometimes it was stream of conscious, but just noticing every detail that I could possibly come up with. Um, I used to count the physical steps a barista would take to make an ice mocha. And through that, I, I learned like Man. that operation is inefficient. They yes. could serve 6.7 more customers an hour this place is doing like if they this. moved the ice this. bin here. Yes. It, I became that in tune with the, the operational yeah. components and sort of through osmosis, the, the, the other side, the movie moment side, yeah, the man. philosophical side. Yeah. Um, I have, there's probably 15 tomato boxes in my basement full of notebooks that are exclusively about the American coffee shop and the American coffee <laughs> industry. Really? Yes. Oh my gosh! So you would just sit down and each one you just write. I would, I would notate everything from yeah. decor to um, uh, to how many chairs there were to uh, oh, how many tables this is, wobbled. To this is mind blowing. You're blowing my mind right now. Dude. I was I was concussed. I was yeah. absolutely obsessed with yeah. understanding everything I could, and, and then I started taking different jobs in the industry. Yeah. 
only with the singular goal to one day be a better coffee shop owner. So that was the goal. That was the goal. This is going to happen at some point. So from a week after starting with Caribou to yeah. roughly 13 years later, yeah. uh, 5 Watt opens. Yeah. And, and a whole bunch of stuff in between. Yeah. And uh, meeting Lee allowed me to even, even understand the idea uh, that a third wave of coffee existed yeah. and, and what it was. Yeah. I was so stuck in Bolden in the second yeah, wave. The second wave of the caribou. the caribou yeah. Starbucks model. And, yeah. and I thought that's the way it was going to be forever. And yeah. still believing that if I ever owned my own shop, I it would, would be still, like that. Yes. yes. Um, Which the second wave is, for people that are listening that don't know the third wave. The first wave is the invention of vacuum packing by Hills Brothers in the late 1800s. Yeah. All the way up to 1974, the birth of Starbucks. And then it, it's debatable on when the third wave started. Mm-hmm. I think it you could you could easily say it was around 2008, nine, yeah. maybe ten, yeah. in there. And, and it's just the idea that that coffee could, can be more than just torched. Yep. So just Starbucks, the next level of nerding out, like really right. diving into perfecting, like. The, the cream that you're putting in your latte, the, the perfect pour. Everything, everything yeah. is considered, everything is thought yeah. about, yeah. everything is tried. Yes. So the, my the favorite analogy yeah. is if, if we if we go buy a $40 steak yeah. and, and we buy a, a $6 steak yeah. and we take them home yeah. and we burn the crap out of both of them, yeah. do they taste any different? Nope. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they do. I don't they know. don't. They both just taste burnt. Yeah. Um, so it's the idea that there's more to coffee than just really dark roasting. Yeah. And, and it, it, I don't. Even if uh, you're in Linden Hills, fire roasting. Yes. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> the inside joke. I'm, I'm not getting up there. I know the joke. Yeah, yeah. I know the joke. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't, I I have no qualms or nothing bad to say about Starbucks or Caribou yeah. or anything. They taught the country how to pay $5 for a latte. Yeah. And I thank them every day for it. <laughs> every um, day. They, they paved the way for a five watt to exist. Yeah. Um, and, and that's great. Yeah. Uh, and I would love to someday share a wall with a Starbucks and go head to head in competition because I think I would crush them. But yes, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a different thing. It's a different model. It, it's a different. I mean, it's not quite like McDonald's and Murray's Steakhouse, mm-hmm. but yeah. kind of that. You know, I I love even just hearing you say this that you and I've always gotten this vibe from you that you are passionate about what you do in coffee. And the third wave and all that stuff. But you're also not, like, stuck up against, like, the Caribous and, like, the Starbucks and the Dumb Brothers. Like, you, like, like you just said, like, there's a place for them. Right. You know, like, there, there is, is a place. And there's a lot of people that love Starbucks. I love the fact that you can go over when you're in Japan and go to a Starbucks and it feels like you're at home. Yeah. You know, and, and you know what you're getting. Right. It's consistent. It's consistent. You know what you're going to get. Yeah. So it is what it is. But So I like your non-judgmental so approach our, to that. Our tenant and uh, my business partner, Lee Carter, came up with this phrase, find a way to say yes. 
So Third Wave became really famous for always saying, no, we don't do that. And that's that whole pretension thing. And, and I have zero tolerance for that. I, anything that's exclusive, I rile against so badly because all I care about is inclusive. And so it's... Dude, come on. This it, is That's so heavy. Yeah. That's so awesome, man. It, okay, so inclusiveness. Inclusiveness is, is, what is it's paramount. all about. Love yeah. all, serve all. Yeah. That is, if, if you aren't trying to genuinely do that, you, you aren't, you're putting nothing into yeah, the man. world that's worth anything. Yeah. Ex- exclusivity oh, is, is hype. It's, 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 uh, I need it. it's something nice. to prove. It yeah. burns fast and then it's gone and it's useless. Oh. I'm, you know, Dude, that is so our amazing. belief is to, um, you know, when we built this place, uh, one of my really intent goals was to make it feel like it had been here for 50 years. Mm. And timeless was the word that we used a lot. Um, and so what, like, what went into this that you were like, okay, this was because of the timeless, timeless like factor that we wanted. Like these, I'm sitting on a, a church pew. You're sitting on a church pew. Yeah, from an old <laughs> so church. Awesome. Like these uh, old wood floors. Like old, you didn't put in like the. We stripped away to the the original aesthetic that yeah. was in the space. Yeah. When we first walked into the space, there was a drop ceiling that I could touch with my hand. Really? And everything was drywalled, it, and it was yeah. all, it looked like an Easter egg threw up in there. <laughs> yeah. But, so, yeah, our, I mean, our thing is, yeah, be inclusive instead of exclusive. Yeah. Um, I say things all the time, like, to our, to new team members and mm-hmm. people um, that work for us is treat every new customer, or treat every customer like you're meeting your significant other's parents for the first time. That tells yeah. you how to act. That tells you what to wear. Yes. Tells you how to groom yourself. Yeah. It tells you how to listen. It, yeah. It, I mean, it. That covers all of it. It does. It, yeah. It, I'm obsessed with analogies and idioms. Oh, yes. And how to convey yeah. things in a yeah. simple way that has a, a mm-hmm. big meaning. You I know? love that. Yeah. Um, I say all the time, a cup of coffee has the power to change the world. Yeah. And. That statement, I'm trying to find a better way to say it because it's so, it's almost cliche. Yeah. But if you think about what happens over cups of coffee. Yeah. You have world leaders meet. Yeah. You have marriage, first dates. Yeah. Marriages. You have people buying homes. You have um, record deals. You have everything that our big moments of life happen over a cup of coffee so coffee is a connective thing and and this is what you'll you'll appreciate this i'm loving this the only other thing in the world that i think connects people as much as coffee is music maybe outside of religion Religion it has a powerful connectivity. It's a magnetic okay. connectivity. In the secular world, mm-hmm. music and coffee are the only two things that I know that do it as well as they yeah. do. So to me... What, I, so what is it about it? What, what makes coffee like music? Like what is it about coffee that does that? Um, it's, it's, it's sharing. It's not... I mean, you, people obviously make coffee for themselves. 
but how often have you made coffee to share? Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm, I, it's announced. I'm making coffee. Yeah. Who would like to have some? Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, the, it's the reason people get together after not seeing each other for 10 years. It's, um, it's, the, it's the reason people find common ground after yeah. a, a dispute. Yeah. Or it's, I mean, it, it, it's a, it, it yes. literally is a magnet for humanity. Dude, that is so beautiful. Dude, that is so, man, I think, like, because I think of, like, the single making of a cup of coffee, whether it's, like, the AeroPress or the V60 Pro. Like, that, that's a new thing. Yeah. Like, you go back and I think about my earliest recollections of coffee being with, like, my parents. Like, it's all about a pot. You're making a pot of coffee. Pot of coffee. You know? And, yeah. like, I think of my earliest recollection of coffee. Um... Now that you're saying this, it, I bring to mind um, something that happens, which is funny because this is the latest I ever I've drank coffee in forever. Like this, having <laughs> like these cold breaths on late at night. Yeah. But I remember when I was younger, when my parents uh, had uh, when they had friends over for dinner or family or something like that, we'd all eat dinner and then the kids would leave and then the parents would you'd make coffee and right. then that's like the excuse to sit around and the like drink to commune. To, yeah, to just talk. to sit to stay a little bit longer to be because you've got coffee and you can right. always tap the coffee off. And now, like, looking back, like, oh, man, who drinks coffee until, like, 11 o'clock at night like they did? But it was just that excuse. Just, uh, it's this thing to come around. You know, I think, uh, I do feel like, uh, I feel like beer can be like that. Or, like, if done right, like, sometimes... Beer can definitely be that like that. I think what... So what's the difference between coffee and alcohol? Is To me... Uh, Alcohol inhibits, you know, it it, it affects your brain waves. Uh, not that I mean, coffee ratchets you up a little <laughs> yeah. bit, um, but you know, I'm coffee like coffee is yeah. why the industrial revolution happened. the in, The invention of vacuum packing caused the industrial revolution in America. the The, the ability to mass produce coffee, yeah, keep it semi fresh in this vacuum packing thing, yeah. and ship it across the country, yeah was a huge contributor to uh, the Industrial Revolution because how do you make coffee? You boil water, which makes it sanitary to drink. Yeah. Before that, the only regularly made beverage that exists that was sanitary was beer. What do you do when you make beer? Mm-hmm. You boil it. Yeah. So it's now sanitary to drink. Yeah. So you can't build skyscrapers when you're drunk. Yeah. You can build skyscrapers when you're high on coffee. Yes, and they probably can go up faster too. Yeah. It's funny, I'm I'm much more interested in the experience that people have in coffee shops than I am coffee. Yeah. I'm more passionate about the, the total thing. Like yeah. coffee's just the, the great excuse yeah. to do the rest of this. Mm. And, yeah. and thank God I found Lee Carter, or Lee Carter found me. Yeah. Thank God we found each other, because the brilliance of what he does with coffee, which is absolutely brilliant, um, he is a master chef. He's I don't know anybody else that can do what Lee Carter does with 
with creating coffee concoctions. Really? Oh, man. It's mind-blowing. Okay. Um, I mean, if you knew, like, what our sales mix was on our specialty menu, I don't, I don't talk about it because people in the industry, if I told them, they would go, you are so full of bleep. <laughs> I don't believe it. They would think I was lying. About what goes into that? About how well our specialty drinks sell in comparison to just traditional coffee. Oh, dude. Um, okay, that, so that's what you mean by that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, man, that's funny you say people in the industry because as someone that's not in the coffee industry who brings people here right. and I've introduced, like, it's like <laughs> I'm halfway, like, religiously proselytizing Five Watt and no. bringing people here. The reason people stay that don't drink coffee is the Kingfield. The Kingfield. That, that is the number one deal of like at least my friends. I know I know Gabe and Jasper, my buddies, this turned into the stop before going to the airport that I had to take them to to get the Kingfield salted on the top. Yeah, and what Lee went in his creating the Kingfield yeah. and all other types of drinks yeah. is um, I, I may be putting words in his mouth and I may not be stating this accurately. For him, it's it's causing this bridge for folks to get into coffee. Yeah. Um, so we use a lot of cocktail bitters in our yeah. specialty drinks, and, and that was his burning desire to find new flavors to add to drinks that didn't add more sweet. Because when you go to Starbucks and you want a new flavor, it's sweet on top of sweet on top of sweet on top of sweet, mm -hmm. like turtle mocha. It's you, like it just five means you're sweets. getting more pumps. Yeah, and your coffee. Oh, here's yeah. caramel chocolate and yeah. whipped cream and drizzle, and then yes. oh, let's put some chocolate-covered espresso beans on that. The um, curiosity of how we can get that all in there without adding more sweet. Right. So him saying there, there's so many more flavors that you could work with. So he stumbled onto the idea of cocktail bitters. And when even when we were at Bull Run, he made me this drink. And he's like, here, try this. I, I think it's pretty good. So I tasted it. And I was like, what? what is this? And he's like, oh, just this thing I made. And I'm like, no, what? what? Show me. How did you make this? So then I made him make it like six different ways. I'm like, take that out. No. And so he, I made him break it down yeah. piece by piece and then re, at, at the very end make it the way he made it the first time for me. And I'm like, don't tell anybody about this. <laughs> This is ours. Yes. Do you remember what the drink was? Um, I don't remember what he called it. What is our Um, it had flavors that I never ever considered to be a part of a coffee drink. Yeah. It was so unique, yeah. so dynamic. I was like, wow. Yeah. Wow. What is going on? And, yeah. And you could still taste the coffee. So it's not mm -hmm. that candy bar in a cup. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. That. Yeah, it, it and I was like the the nuance, the balance, yeah. the yeah. This is so interesting. What else do you got? And so I, I like don't tell anybody. Don't make it for anybody. Yes, <laughs> this is a secret. This, this is ours. Yeah. And we had at that time we had determined that uh, we were we were going to try and do our own shop together. Yeah, someday.
Through my life experience, one of the one of the idioms I use all the time is "seeing is believing." Yeah. You know, when when I witnessed guys like Michael Bland play in the studio, yeah. and Dave Barry, and Billy Franzi, and Sonny Thompson, mm-hmm. and you know these guys, it, you know, you you see it. In, in you, you're watching it and you're hearing it come through the speakers and the control room. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's so much more attainable. Yeah. It's like, okay, they're, I'm, I know they're human. Yeah. And I know Billy just ripped a fart 20 minutes ago and the whole room <laughs> yeah. stinks. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so they're not superhuman. Yeah. They just, um, this is another thing I talk about all the time is the 10,000 hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. You know, I've got 20,000 hours into the the American coffee experience. Um, So I understand intimately a thing about that. Yeah. And I have my doctorate in American coffee shop experience. (laughs) Um, Billy Franzi has it in... And baller killer guitar riffs because yeah. he's played guitar in his living room, standing around in his underwear for probably forty thousand hours of his life. Yeah, it's undeniable. You're going to get there. Yeah. So I guess what I'm getting at is curiosity is um, real curiosity. It's more than just asking a question. It's it's going headlong into something. It's diving before you look. Yeah. And and it, it's the the willingness, one of my favorite quotes of all time. I don't even know if it's a quote. It's a statement. They asked Michael Jordan, how did you become the, whatever it was, six-time world MVP? And his reply was, is one of the best statements of all time. I learned every way to miss. Oh, and you're like, oh, that's yeah. it. Yes, that's Learn, it. Be willing to fail that yes. hard. Oh. Be that curious. Be that in 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 emboldened or uh, invested or whatever it is. Yeah. Do that, and, and you you change the world. Man, that's so that's so funny. And I'm the crazy thing to me is that it is it has to come from within you and not externally. It has to be an internal, like genuine uh. sense. Because if you were if you were at Caribou and that was your job description, your boss was like, okay, I need you to go and start writing down and taking these notes. There, your notebooks would have been half as full as they are. No. They'd have been not as good. They would have said stuff like, "Why am I doing this?" Yes, <laughs> uh, absolutely. So, yeah. oh man. So is it like to you? So, well, to me, hearing this, it's like, man, the ultimate goal is. Oh man. Okay. Here's here's what it is. Here's here's what this is. What I'm getting from you right here. Uh, the ultimate goal is like you talked about being a yes man. And like being open to things and new things and trying as many, it sounds like you tried as many things as possible and said yes to as many things as possible till you landed on the one that you were like, this is it. Till you found that thing, sense of curiosity yes. in the moment for the coffee shop. I was shop. relentless in my search and I was willing to fail. I was willing yeah. to dive and, and, and fail. Um, you know, I often use the word. I I hate the word millennial. I use it all the time. Yeah. 
because everybody knows what we're talking about oh, yeah, when yeah, you say dude. the world. Uh, I think something that I feel like it, it has been sadly lost on the millennial generation is is the idea that you can do that, that or the idea that people do do that. And yeah. I blame part of it on the information technology. Yes. I mean, um, I was talking to this young guy a couple weeks ago, and he he was giving me this. He's a high school student, mm-hmm. and he was giving me kind of this "woe is me" rhetoric. Yeah, and I was like, "What? I, I don't know." What, I mean, first of all, you're in high school, so nothing about your life is tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I get it that your life experience is this, and you believe that what this is is the toughest thing you've yeah. ever lived through. Yeah. Um, but I'm here to tell you, it gets <laughs> it a gets whole a lot, lot harder. Um, but he was he was, he was kind of complaining about without owning the fact that he was diving without looking. Mm. And that that thing things should have maybe been given to him, yeah, and or served up in some or fell in his lap, and, and yeah. I got mad. Really, I did, and I slammed my cell phone down on the table, and I'm like, "Listen, brother, here's the deal: all of the information in the world exists in this device. You got no friggin' excuse." For not yeah. knowing absolutely everything. Yeah. And I mean everything. Yeah. About what you're telling me you want to do. Yeah. And it's on you. Yeah. It, you said earlier you made the yeah. statement it's, it's an inside out world. Yeah. My dad who passed away like a year and a half ago. Uh, it's one of his favorite statements. Okay. It, and he would, he would say it all the time to me. It, growing up he'd go, Caleb, the world is inside out. It is not outside in. And the sooner you understand that and really understand it, the better off your whole life will be. Okay. And everyone around you. So outside in, inside out. Meaning inside out. The world the the, the world is inside out. It starts with it starts you. with the what inside. you put into the world is, is what the world is. Yeah. It's, it's not the world putting stuff into you. Yeah. Don't put up with that. Don't don't um, concede to that. Don't uh, accept it. Yeah. Make your yeah, mark. It, yeah. If if and if you aren't, it's your problem. It's your crap. It's your fault. It's, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is all on you. <laughs> so I mean in. I guess that's sort of the point I'm trying to get to with this this millennial rhetoric is is that just the not the disconnect in understanding that idea mm-hmm. that anything truly is attainable. The price is how hard you want to work for it, and that is 100% your decision. Yeah. There is no external force mm-hmm. anywhere yeah. st- stopping you, uh, yeah. withholding you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, other than the human, like you got to sleep, you yeah. got to eat. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. you got no excuse for not being, not putting your ten thousand hours in at whatever yeah. it is you care about. Yeah. So, are you? Do you think? Because I see your trajectory, 
you come up here and your goal's music and then you you're like okay I'm not this music thing what I thought it was going to be isn't what I thought it was I'm going to I'm going to go back and hit reset the willingness to think uh, what's in you can fit different things, if that makes sense. It doesn't have to be pigeonholed into this one thing. Totally. It can change, I mean, it can shift. One of, the, one of the things I'm a real proponent of is trying to get the widest breadth of the human experience that you can. Uh, what you're doing, you, Rob, Morgan, right now, yeah. is something I would prescribe to anyone on the planet. Yeah. Go talk to people. Yeah. Go ask interesting, tough, unique questions. Yeah. Get to the core root soul of as many other human beings yes. as you can. Yeah. Because it will re- enrich your life in ways that you can't possibly understand. Yeah. And, and, and that will last forever. Yeah. There will be, uh, I'll make this bet with you. In 15 years, yeah. from this moment, all right, you will be saying to someone, I sat down and talked to this guy one time, and he said this one thing to me, and it's never left me. Okay. And I don't know what I've said today that yeah. is that thing. Yeah. But it that's just the way that life works. I yeah. mean, uh, things that um, good... I, I'm getting that point in my life where I've known people longer than I haven't known them. Yeah. There's there's a good bunch of people that I've known longer I than I thought. haven't known. Yes, them. Uh, and I really that when I hit forty, I was like, ooh, that was wow, <laughs> that's a thing. That's a mile marker. And that's it, a hill. One of my best friends brought it to my attention where he's like, hey man, happy birthday. We've known each other longer than we haven't. Uh, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And I started thinking, wow, there's a lot of people in my life that that fit that. that that mold and it's going to increase yeah. the longer I live Yeah, and, and you just go back and some of the things that I learned from Rob Genetic as my mm-hmm. mentor in, in the audio world or some yeah. of my teachers even from school mm-hmm. there's there's moments there's quotes there's, there's things that have never left me they've left this imprint and I've relentlessly tried to find more imprints hmm. that you can leave on other people or that that, you can that take I it can in, take. that you can take in. I'm trying oh, to steal everybody's yes. licks, man. <laughs> Dude, I love that. Yeah. I love that, man. Let's wrap it up with two questions. I All right, up. I'm ready. One is, uh, you talk about feeling. It's all mm-hmm. about how something makes you feel. Someone that walks into 5 Watt, if you had like a couple words for what do you want someone to feel coming in here? Um, or sentence or whatever that looks like in the club included show genuine interest mm-hmm. um, uh, one of the one of the phrases I use a lot is I want to assault their expectations in a positive way okay I want them to feel emotionally assaulted in a good way yeah in a positive way yeah like I, in my goal, always, especially with me behind the counter and what I've tried to uh, set the stage for, mm-hmm. um, which is a whole nother philosophy, setting yeah. the stage. Uh, that's a management philosophy, but uh, leaving that imprint on yeah. somebody where they're like, 
where they, where they literally they 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 they're like that. This has never happened to me. Yeah. No guy in a coffee shop has ever treated me this way or said mm-hmm. these things to me. But but all positive. Yeah. And I I love the idea that they're perplexed. Yeah. But and it's hard for them to yeah. reconcile mm-hmm. and be like, I don't know why. Why me? Yeah. I want them to ask that question. Yeah. Why am Why would he treat me that way? Yeah. Why am I so special? Yeah. Uh, I love that. <laughs> Dude, that's so good. And man, and you guys are nailing that. It totally yeah. is. Yeah. I totally think that is. There is. Uh, the coolest thing about this place is that, and the reason why my my wife never wants to come here is because she always like it's always packed. The time that Sarah and I, the the time, <laughs> coincidentally, the time that Sarah and I have to spend together to go grab coffee, are the times it's there's not a seat in the house. Right. And the reason there's not a seat in the house is because you have found a way to mix excellence, excellent, excellent coffee, and really cool, innovative thinking without pretentiousness right. and like give it there's no like you're welcome for this coffee it's like here you go you're in yeah. the club you're in the club uh, okay last thing uh, you so at the beginning we're, we talked about you mentioned success when you were talking about going to college for music and studying it the guys who you deemed successful were uh, successful in your eyes because they knew what they wanted and they set out and they achieved their goals. Like that was, that seemed like a definition of success for you. I mean, I think success is uniquely defined by every individual. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't think I can really define success for someone else. Yeah. Um, something I do push people all the time about. Like, yeah. The people that work with it, my teammates mm-hmm. here, I always avoid the word employee. I hate the word employee. Yeah. <laughs> my team members, my coworkers, yeah. the people that work for me, with me. Um, I'm very interested in knowing what their passions are and where they are trying to go. Yeah. And Instead of how they can just get your vision to the next step. Right. You care about what they're... Because it's symbiotic. This is a shared life experience. And and if Mm -hmm. I don't believe that I can't learn something from each and every one of them, then I'm missing the boat big time. And you, as an entrepreneur and a business owner, if you Mm -hmm. aren't spending most of your time listening, Mm -hmm. you're doing it wrong. Because when it comes to this place, they have all the answers. I'm disconnected. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm away. Yeah. I did set the stage and yeah. I set it well. Yeah. But I'm not an actor in that performance anymore. Yeah. And I don't know what the audience responds to. Yeah. And I don't know if an intermission is three minutes too long or if uh, you know if if the mark on the stage and, and somebody's projecting their voice this way is are these folks not yeah. hearing it. I'm yeah. not even the director anymore. That's Ezra's the director of this yeah. performance. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yes. finding that passion. Yeah. And, and I'm I push people uncomfortably, mm-hmm. uh, especially people that I, I I tend to get almost a sibling-like kinship with <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, and I often refer to everybody as brother. Yeah. Hey, brother. Yeah. Um, uh, I have a lot of sisters too. Yeah. Um, I, I feel it's my duty to mentor people in, in not an egotistical way, but yeah. where I find an appropriate opportunity to do that. Yeah. 
and part of that is push them toward their passion yeah and and help them understand that just getting started is half the battle yeah um and don't fear failing yeah um and the the other unique thing that i have to offer is i know a ton of people because of this environment Everybody I know people comes. that do everything in the world. Yeah. I know dozens of people that have those jobs you've never heard of or thought of. Yeah. And uh, to to have folks that that are my coworkers and know what their passions are. If I ever get that opportunity to create an introduction or a, yeah. uh, any little thing. Yeah. That that I'm passionate about that. Yeah. I drive that as hard as I can. Yes. Because that's success to me. Yeah. And, and part of my end game in all mm-hmm. of this, mm-hmm. really what I hope to do with my twilight years. Yeah. <laughs> is be in a financial position where I can find more 20-year-old Caleb Garns to to mentor and financially support into their passions, into their businesses. 20 is a little young. Yeah. Maybe I'll catch them on 28 to 30. (laughs) um, Let them make a few mistakes first. (laughs) Yeah. You need a little seasoning on all that. But that... That's what I really hope to be in a position to do because that's what I enjoy. And that's success to me. Man. Roundabout way to answer your question. That's great. (laughs) Man, anybody that comes in and in the future gets that chance to be like under you and like learn from you just even from this chat is like a freaking lucky person. (laughs) Because, dude, oh man, that's so That's that's it.